Organizations across the country are taking on the enormous task of building strategy, policies, and technology-based solutions to return employees safely to the office. I'm your host, Penny Conway, and on today's all-new episode of Connection to Experience, we're kicking off our new Return to Office series to help you navigate the challenges ahead. Our first segment in the series is going to be talking about the perceptions of and impact to employees and the role your human resources department has in developing and implementing return to office technology. Emily and Rob, welcome to the podcast. Hello, Penny. Thank you. Hello. I am excited for, I think we can officially call three people a panel um, to start talking about the return to office strategy, what different departments need to be involved in this strategy, what some of the challenges are, and truly what the employee perception and impact might be. So before we really dive into the meat of our first segment here, I want to give an opportunity for each of you to introduce yourself, your experience, and what expertise you're really bringing to this conversation today. And Tony, I will go ahead and start with you. Thank you. Tony Dancona from the um, getting chillier New Hampshire weather (laughs) state. And I'm part of the industry solutions group. I've spent the last, I'd say, four to five years working on mobility. But my passion is in creating an art of the possible labs where we're taking technology, stitching them together and making sure that they actually operate. So we're trying to get under the marketing slides and into the reality of how this stuff works. So excited in putting together the return to office solution set and excited to chat with you guys today on what's going on. Excellent. We're excited to have you. And Emily, I'll turn it over to you for a little introduction of who you are and what expertise you bring to us today. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm Emily Hammond. I am the Senior Director of Benefits and Compensation at Connection. I've been at Connection for about a year and a half, but in the HR space for about 20 years. I also do some volunteer and consulting work for nonprofit organizations. So an interesting dynamic in this time of COVID as well, where they have different structure, limited resources than companies. So hopefully I can speak to both. Absolutely. And last but not least, Rob McIntosh. You may know and love him if you're a fan of the Tech Experience podcast. He is our producer and co-creator. But Rob, you're coming to us in this conversation in a little bit of a different capacity being you. So why don't you introduce yourself and what you're going to be bringing to the podcast today? Absolutely. Rob McIntosh, and I am the marketing manager for the business solution group here at Connection. And my perspective is kind of end user here. And, uh, you know, that person that is going to be going back to the office and utilizing some of this technology that's being put into place and seeing if it will work. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So we are, I'm going to really kind of kick this off very broadly because I I don't think that this is a conversation that necessarily has one path. So let's start with the very obvious. And Emily, I, I'm interested to maybe hand this off to you first, just from a um, an HR perspective as, you know, we're now approaching what maybe month 
eight, I think, of being in this pandemic setting of remote work. And a lot of organizations have tried to or started to bring people back to the office and have put some policies in place and just kind of want to get your experience um, as a professional in human resources of what some of the gut reactions have been to what's put in place now? And in general, just how employees are feeling about coming back into the office. Oh, sure. Start me with the easy one. (laughs) (laughs) The loaded question, but I am glad to hear you refer to it as return to office. I think you see it out there as return to work. And that's Mm -hmm. maybe the first place we start is that people do get their backs up or get a bit resistant when you talk about return to work because people Many, many folks will tell you they work much harder at home or they feel like they work much harder at home than they were in the office. So labeling this as an RTO program or a return to office program is a really good first step, I think, to branding it. I do think patience is the marker for this, for any company looking to bring folks back into the office. There is a lot of anxiety out there still. As you mentioned, we're in the middle of the pandemic. We're not at the end of it at this time. So companies are often eager to bring people back, to kind of get back to normal, right? And sort of figure out what that looks like. Some are are more patient about it than others, honestly. And some have really made those announcements, right? We're not talking about this till next year. We're not going to look at this till April or put some timelines to it. And others are saying, look, we're going to look at it week by week, month by month, location by location. I think what employees want to know is they want to feel that their health and safety And their anxieties are really taken into account, along with the business needs, of course, as companies make these decisions. But people are scared. Employees are nervous about coming back into an office place, about doing something that they feel maybe is unnecessary. So I think defining relevance as well, defining why you're asking people to come back, and really, as a company and as an executive team, really examining that before you ask people to come back. What is the reason you're asking people to come back? And I think being authentic about it and transparent about it will go a really long way to engaging folks in in returning back to the office. Excellent. Well said. Tony, I'm going to turn to you a little bit to maybe piggyback on something that Emily said that stuck out to me is developing this timeline of where in the middle of this with really, you know, some estimates out there of what the end looks like. But, you know, one thing that I pulled a quote from McKinsey and company when they, they've been doing a ton of research around this and offering guidance to companies. And they said that the return to office isn't, it's not return to office. It's creating a new operating model. And that can seem overly daunting when you, you know, when you look at it in this very minute way of, uh, we need to put some checks and balances in place when employees are coming coming in to be, you know, safe. But looking at it from this larger perspective of it's not just these things in place as sort of a stopgap. This is a new way that a company is going to be operating. And in the middle of a pandemic, it's hard to plan out a one month, two months, six months in advance. What kind of conversations are you having with IT professionals today in timeline planning for this? That if this is something they need to set up now, or are they looking to set it up six months, nine months, 12 months from now? A little bit of your perspective there. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think this is a evolution and not a revolution, right? In what we need to do, because we we do have time and there's certainly lots we can do with technology, right? And this is where, you know, when we talk with Emily, like we could do all these things, but 
maybe we don't need all those things, right? And especially right now, right? So, so there's there's a lot of pieces that, uh, although we have a solution stack that has six different elements to it, you could start with just one piece of that, right, and grow. But as Emily was saying, I think a lot of companies are realizing that they don't need as much in office, you know, working as as they thought they used to. So I think there's a lot to be gained by looking at your occupancy rates and how much real estate you have and how to best optimize that real estate with with people coming in now sparingly, right? Not not every day, you know, nine to five. I, I think there's a lot of opportunities to to let technology help us with that optimization. Excellent. Uh, I like how you called that out because I've been thinking, you know, as I read a, a lot of the news is building this plan for return to office. And I'm wondering if a lot of organizations, companies, big and small out there are thinking about or reimagining the office space, like you just said, not maybe not everyone needs to be in. So how do we look at the real estate from a different perspective and then develop a solution with this this new model or this new space in mind, that seems like such a big task to handle, right? Like I'm going to reimagine how our whole office looks and then I'm going to bring in different solutions to accommodate that new office space immediately as an employee that I feel like anxious just thinking about it. Like uh, it's going to be a new office. It's going to be a new way to walk in the walls. You know, Rob, I want to give you an opportunity from that employee perspective. You know, you've been back to the office and kind of went through some paces to get in. As an employee coming in to an office after so long, what was top of mind for you coming in? What were your concerns and your thought process? I think the first one was I just didn't know what to expect. I was trying to figure out what was my company going to do uh, to rearrange things to keep, you know, to keep everybody safe and what practices did I need to follow in order to make sure I was compliant to what the company had set up. So I think I was more in fear of me messing it up than, than anything <laughs> else. So, you know, when we, when I came to the office, I mean, I think the first thing I saw was if you wanted to kind of divide it into analog and digital, if you will, there's the analog pieces that the office puts into place. And that's, you know, the social distancing and putting down the markers and setting up the office so that, you know, hey, come in this way, one way, you know, one way aisles, all of that kind of stuff. So that's the stuff that's outside of technology. And of course, we're going to obviously get into the technology part. But when I drove into the parking lot, the first thing I noticed were the, the kind of the tented uh, doorways or entrance ways. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Well, obviously it means because it's going to take longer probably to get the office to keep people safe. So there's going to be social distancing. There's going to be getting in line. So luckily I went during a time when it wasn't real busy, but I figure, okay, so I went through that tented area and then I walked through the main door. And then the next thing I see is what used to be our security area. Now had security, but it also had a station set up for a thermal scan. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? (laughs) And it was just kind of going through that process. So I think for me, it was just making sure that I followed the procedures they they set up in their guidelines properly. That was probably my biggest fear. So Tony and Emily, I think this is a good time to maybe have both of you shed some light on on how 
uh, these conversations take place. You know, when we hear that employee, an employee has a level of anxiety and uncertainty and, you know, you guys are working hard, whether Tony, you're working to help, you know, IT departments implement this or, you know, helping connection implement this. Same with you, Emily. How do you bridge the gap? And again, a huge question, but I'm looking for your sort of unfiltered thoughts. How do we bridge the gap between, okay, we've written this policy, uh, we've put together documentation, we've put together videos, and we sort of put that out there in the employee stratosphere. Hope everyone has watched it. Hope everyone has understood it. How do you bridge the gap between having all of that available, but still having employees come in on day one or even maybe day 18 and things have changed, how are you helping organizations sort of understand how to care for employees with kid gloves? Because we all know an adverse reaction can have really a negative impact to what we're trying to implement for this safe return. Yeah, good questions. I think what jumped to mind right as you were speaking is a couple of things. Is And one is that we don't have all the answers. And I think senior management doesn't have all the answers either. And that's okay. In the case of connection, we've tried a few different things in terms of return to office strategy. And the pandemic keeps shifting under our feet, right? We, we finally land on a strategy to bring people slowly back to the office. And in New Hampshire, the pandemic suddenly, literally overnight or in a weekend, starts to get worse. And the numbers go up. And as a senior management team, everyone had to pivot and come out and say, you know what, this isn't the right time. We're not going to do this right now. And I honestly think that ability to do that and that willingness to acknowledge, you know, we wanted to, but we're going to back off, makes employees feel that they can trust senior management. They feel like that management understands their concerns and is watching the same data they're watching, right? And is making really prudent decisions and is willing to change. So I think that's really important to acknowledge and be willing to do, not be so ground in to a certain way of making this happen that you're unable to change and pivot when you need to, because it's a really fluid situation right now. I will also say that it's not all or nothing. Right? It's not either we're working remotely or we're all coming back to the office. I think it can be something, again, a little more fluid where we bring certain people back and whatever that might work for your organization, whether it's certain essential people on a project, whether it's maybe senior leadership and then the next level down, whoever it is. But even returning them first doesn't mean five days a week, nine to five. It might just right. look like, hey, we're inviting you back. Start coming back one day a week. Dip your toe in. Start to feel comfortable, like Rob was saying. Start to understand how the thermal reader works. Start to understand how this new technology works. One day a week. It's a lot softer and easier for an employee to do that than feel like all of a sudden on Monday, I've got to figure out childcare. I need to figure out all these rules of connection. I need to explain to my spouse why it's so important that I'm exposing the family by going into work. You know, all these things are a lot all at once. So maybe start really small and have some small wins. And that can really help both the employee and the company be able to move into the next phase. Or as in our case, slow down a little bit and say, okay, this is enough for now. You know, we're not going to jump to our next phase like we thought we were. We're going to wait until the pandemic gets a bit better. Excellent. And, you know, as we uh, talking about the phases, I think that's super important and being able to pivot. Absolutely. And I want to now sort of shift a little bit, Tony, because I think this is an area where you start to get really excited about what is possible and what could sort of 
clearing up the confusion of what's actually happening and or being monitored and what is not being monitored. And as an employee, and Rob, I don't know if you feel the same way, I see a lot of opportunity to maybe create a big brother space. Like I come to work, I have my temperature taken. Who gets that information of my temperature being taken? Tracking bracelet on your How, ankle. Yeah, who's watching me <laughs> walk around the building, uh, where I've been, what I'm doing. How realistic of a fear is that of us as employees where it's like, okay, a pandemic hit and all of a sudden I've lost all my privacy at work. Talk to us a little bit about what organizations are implementing and what's the reality versus us crazy employees thinking we're being monitored every second of our day. That was for Tony, right? Yes, that's for Tony. No, I, I, you, you, said, you said Rob, but yeah. So I think it's important. There's a couple aspects actually to this. One is making sure that whatever we do is anonymous, right? That the data that we're collecting is data that's that's encrypted. It's it's secured in a way where only when you need to access the data and you need to find out who the identity of that person is, can we turn that on, right? So we're we're spending a lot of time making sure everything's encrypted, it's private, that nobody actually has the ability to to watch people, you know, in in an organization. So we're being really really careful with that. The other thing I'd like to say also, too, is, you know, there are a lot of times where, you know, when you're in manufacturing and in production and configuration and warehouse and logistics, you don't have the luxury of working from home, right? So there's a lot of times where people do have to go in and we have to make sure that the technology can support, right, that type of an operation. And I do think there's there's going to be a huge blend of it's it's different now, right, as Emily was saying. We don't need to be there 100% of the time. Maybe we only go for particular places on site when we need to collaborate and really get in a room and right. whiteboard and, and really, you know, spend a lot of time with, with decision makers and, and the team together. That's when you go on site and you need to make sure that you have what I, what I consider is an automated system and a simple system to understand when you approach you know, the location, you know, because we we have lots of technology and we do this all the time. I mean, we can get to the moon and now to Mars almost and back. But how much of that technology do we need, right, in order for us to set up a process where people can feel safe? So we got to, there's a fine line between, right, overdoing the technology versus right. what's really necessary to, to, to make people feel comfortable. Right. And I, I think that, uh, and you said it, Emily, it, it goes back to having some transparent leadership, I think, where what is the why we're bringing you? Why are we bringing you back? Who needs to come back to the office? And what are what are the expectations of you as employees and us as your your leadership in terms of what information you're going to give and what information we're going to use. And I I think that's a huge thing, Tony, to know that I, I'm coming in, I'm going to have my temperature checked. And it's not necessarily about controlling every single move I make. It's all to the benefit of health and safety of my coworkers. And so one of the, the things I want to dive into a little bit is how do we... Uh, is once that information comes through 
And there is something that that's raises an alarm and say, oh, you know, you do have a temperature and we might have an issue here. You answered yes or no to the six questions that you're, you're asked everywhere you go. From an employer perspective, a company perspective, what does it look like when I walk into the office and I have a temperature and I'm sent home? What, you know, we're now really, we talk about how we work from home and our lives, our work lives and our personal lives are blended. But now we're talking about our health and our work and our personal lives all being connected. What can an organization actually mandate of their employees from that perspective and what's guidance? I know this might be a little hairy of an area, but I think this is one of those things that we're all trying to solve for is if I am perceived as potentially unhealthy and I go home, what then? And I'll throw that to you, Emily and Tony, to maybe chat through this. Sure. So those are the things we're working through every day. I think some of the benefits of this technology that we're talking about and some of the six questions and being able to think about those and respond to those is that those folks don't even get to the office, right? So for the most part, we're trying to help them, help themselves and remind them, no matter what symptom you might have, you don't come to the office, right? Not everything is COVID, of course, right? right? But in general, that's a good practice that we probably most of us have gotten away from in the workplace that were the expectation was there, our employee and our manager expectation was there that we would go in the office if you could, right? No matter if you were not feeling well, your stomach was rumbling, your head hurt, you were a little hot, eh, I'll soldier on, I'll leave a little early, but I'm going in the office. That's changed. And that's really a good thing, I think, overall. But I think being confronted with those questions every morning on an app or however you're asked those questions is a, a daily reminder. Oh yeah, okay. I, I That wasn't feeling so well last night, maybe I won't go in the office. And for the employer to be really open to that, right? And embrace and support and want that, right? And really encourage that, that we don't want our employees to come in the office. If there's any question, right, that you're not feeling well. I think coming in and having a fever is a different story. Driving to the office and then having a, after you've answered the questions all appropriately, no, I'm not sick, finding out you have a fever at the door, honestly, is quite rare. We haven't seen a lot of that. What we see instead is the first example where people aren't feeling well or they've traveled, right? Those questions change. So that's often fluid. I'll use that word again. <laughs> by state, by federal regs, whatever it is that those, those questions change too. So people often will call their designated HR partner at, with a question bef long before they come in with a temperature. So they're not getting to the door. They're, they're asking the questions of their HR partner. If there is a fever at the door, there does need to be a designated contact person, right? Generally, what we've done is ask that person to just get in their car and go home, let their supervisor know they can't come in, they have a fever. Um, if they want to reach out to their HR business partner with questions, they can do that. But again, a fever doesn't mean they have COVID, right? A right. fever means they have a fever. <laughs> so they need to go <laughs> home, right? Take care of themselves, do whatever they would normally do with a fever. And if they're not feeling poorly, then they work from home that day. And if they are, they rest. Look, if it's a couple days, there's some other symptoms, they find out they were in contact with somebody with COVID, that's really then an HR conversation. But until then, it's a fever. And they need to just go home and take care of themselves. But there are HIPAA laws, to your point. There's lots of rules around employee privacy when it comes to medical issues. So without going down that whole rabbit hole, in general, only people who need to know need to know whether it's a fever, whether I'm not feeling well, or whether I have COVID, right? There, it doesn't need to be every person needs to know all of that. There are, we have to be really careful, even with COVID, we have to be really careful who we tell what to. We can still inform employees without necessarily giving names or giving away identifying information to folks. 
Right. Excellent. We're headed towards sort of the end of our first segment here. And Tony, I, I'd be remiss if I, you know, as we kick off this new series, we don't sort of maybe start talking about what the elements look like. And we've, we've, taken a few of them here from, you know, having your temperature checked to, you know, Rob said you walked on one side of the aisle uh, because there's markers all over the place. Do not walk this way, walk this way. From a solutioning perspective, a lot of companies are well down this road maybe of thinking about what they want to do. But what are some of the components that are really top of mind when you're working on this from an internal perspective or an external perspective? Sort of the must-haves in this return to office solution that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Yeah, I think the key for um, what we've been doing a lot of work in the labs and and why we've actually spent a lot of energy in application development is to understand that the pieces that we choose are integratable, right? So that when we do want to get to the next step and automate, you know, the the process from one one step to the other, that it happens through APIs and and that the applications can handle it. So we've got six components to this. I'll just go real quickly through them. So the the first is the fever detection space, um, the ability to do touchless entry, right? So if everything goes properly and you're allowed to go in, that the door just opens for you, right? Because that's that's the one place, and actually Rob and I were talking about that the other day, right? And, and I think the same thing with Emily is that what's the one place that everybody's going to touch? It's the door knob <laughs> handle getting into the building, right? So if I can automate that and make that touchless, that's a huge thing. But then there's also, like Emily was saying, all these questions that the CDC are asking us to ask our employees. You know, there's many techniques for doing that. We've developed um, an application framework that allows us to ask the, the questions and also have some self-service, right? Depending on how you answer the question, you get the answer, right? That it says, stay home. And, you know, there's there's a lot of self-service. But again, in that is the ability of what we call continuous location tracing so that if someone were to test positive and you know that that person was contagious, that we can kind of draw a map anonymous, right? The, the person cleaning the space doesn't need to know who that person was, but all that there's a map that says this is where you need to do enhanced cleaning for, 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 um, for the person that might have been contagious. Mm-hmm. And then smart workspaces where, you know, we've talked a lot about optimizing the environment, doing hot desking, right? Reserving a desk that is very easy to clean and sanitize, right? I mean, if you, well, if you look at my office in my house, right, it, it, <laughs> it, I've got stuff all over the place and it'd be very hard to sanitize my desk, right? And right. It's the same thing in the office. We can just clean it where it's just a, an easy surface to clean. That's a much easier surface to sanitize. And same thing with conference room. You know, imagine if we were able to schedule conference rooms based on um, knowing where people are in in the infrastructure. Say, here's a conference room that's close to where you are. Would you like this? And uh, imagine being able to schedule a workflow that says when the conference room is done, we lock the door, detect that there's no one in the room, turn on UVC lights, sanitize that area. The, the sanitation phase stops, right? We unlock the door, next next conference starts. A lot of really cool technologies in that workspace. And then finally, augmented mentoring, the ability to use glass technology that allows remote 
experts and remote people to help or do do tours and audits that used to require people on site or rounds. I mean, imagine, you know, rounds that are done in hospitals where there's 10 people and students and experts and all these other people doing rounds in a hospital. Now you have a doctor with a, a set of glasses on and now everybody could see what that doctor is seeing, right? So when he's looking at the patient, everybody sees the patient. When he looks at the wall, Everybody sees the wall and the x-ray. When he looks at the ventilator, everybody sees the ventilator. So just amazing things that are being done with glass technology that is is very, very relevant in remote supporting the the, the offices. So that's in a nutshell is kind of our six parts of the solution that we've worked a lot to integrate. Uh, boy, I got to tell you, I, I listen to all this and, you know, you start thinking about, you know, a har- what a horrible pandemic this is. Obviously, it's a world pandemic, but then you start looking at the bright side of the technology and the efficiencies that are going to come out of this that are going to really define how corporate America moves forward. And I'm I'm at awe, in absolute awe at some of these things that are available. I know that Connection itself is um, kind of earmarked as being one of those corporations in, in the New Hampshire area that um, they're looking at to be a model uh, for how to return to office. So, you know, congratulations to your team for rising to the challenge and, you know, potentially showing everybody else how to move forward in this. And some of the challenges you're going to have is We've had we've been living with this pandemic for eight months now. I remember when Penny and I did our first podcast, and we actually got our hand slapped a little bit when we when Penny called it a pandemic. And like, well, wait, 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 it hasn't been officially called a pandemic yet. And she's like, oh, okay, sorry about that. And then literally that that night, by they, the time it went live, it was a pandemic. <laughs> So I'm putting an apology on there and it and it had already been declared a pandemic. But now you fast forward eight months later and you're looking at end users like myself. Listen, we've lived with this thing. So we now know, we know how to mitigate it. You know, we know that you got to wear a mask, that you have to social distance, that you got to wash your hands. We understand the basics of how to keep safe. And so when you walk into a workplace and you see as I called it, some of those analog things taking place. He's like, okay, that's really cool. But now add in this mix where before you even walk in the door, the door opens up. It's like, well, okay, I don't have to sanitize my hands now because I'm not touching anything. Very good. That's very cool. And then you walk through and you're being badged automatically, you know, through your, um, the app that you have on your phone that it recognizes who you are, that you're getting scanned the proper way. And, and you start looking around and going, my goodness, the technology that is being incorporated here is keeping us safe. And my company is, is a model to that moving forward. You know, you look at what, what's happening at the White House right now, you know, what, no matter what your political affiliation is, but they're a hotbed for the pandemic. And folks like us are looking at go, well, no wonder you're not social distancing. You're not taking any of these precautions that you're supposed to. Imagine if the White House were using some of this technology that you are right now and they were using themselves as a model. I mean, that's what you want to happen. So again, I, I just think it's amazing the things that are coming out of this and it's it, the, how we're going to move forward with it. It's great. And I, I just like to add one quick thing. I mean, we, if you looked at any of my slides, it's always about and beyond, right? Cause mm-hmm. a lot of the technology that we're putting in, we're actually selling before all of this stuff happened, right? right. Once we have tracking using beacon technology, you could start tracking assets like ventilators, right? How much trouble did they have in hospitals finding the ventilators, right? Or or That's wheelchairs or beds, or even in the manufacturing to find that calibrated tool 
that there's only a couple and everybody has to share that. So, you know, asset tracking and wayfinding. And again, I mean, real estate's going to be a big issue going forward. There's going to be a lot of glut of space. So to optimize that space and your occupancy is going to be huge, right? Those are things that we've been talking about for for the you know for for years. This is uh, an ability to bring those technologies together for cause now. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. I I've been saying it a lot over the past eight months or so that you know folks like us have been talking about the elements of the digital transformation and didn't necessarily have that pain point always to push through. And we now have it with a with a pandemic is a perfect reason to transform digitally. Yeah. And Rob, I, I was going to ask you how you felt when Tony was going through sort of the the six part solution set that, that he and his team are putting together. But uh, your response was amazing that you're super excited for it. Yeah. I am as well. And uh, Tony, we're super excited over uh, this series to really dive into each and every one of those six parts and see how this technology is implemented and how it's affecting every part of the organization from employees and human resources through IT, through operations, through marketing, really see it permeate through uh, the organization. So I appreciate you guys helping us kick off this series. Emily, thank you so much for your expertise. Tony, for yours and Rob, for your insight. Really excited to get through this series and learn more about what's at the forefront of everyone's mind in a mid-pandemic solutioning standpoint. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. And on whatever platform you are listening to us on, please be sure to like, share, and follow. Uh, You can leave us a comment on today's episode if you liked what you heard, or you can email us at podcast at connection.com. You can also visit us at www.connection.com for more information on return to office solutions and to uh, hear more from the experts that you listened to today. Thanks again so much, you guys. We will be back soon to cover the next part of our Return to Office series. 